Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are continuing our message series called Grace and Truth. And, and the heartbeat of this really is the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Because when the Bible described Jesus in the book of John, we're just introducing who he is. John refers to him as the Word. And he says this about him. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is full of both grace and truth. Remember from last week, not grace or truth, right? It's not either or. He's not somebody who has grace days and truth days. Nope, he is always full of grace and truth. And we talked about the fact last week that truth without grace is mean, right? Like, I don't always want to hear everything true about me every moment. That wouldn't necessarily be pleasant, right? We need to have some grace along with that truth. But grace without truth is meaningless because we all need to understand the truth as well about whether about ourselves or about the Lord or whatever it may be. We, we need to have both of these. We need to be people of, who are full of grace and truth. Now, this week, as it so happens, we get to focus on grace. That's great, right? We all like grace, right? And if you stay home next, next week, we're going to be really disappointed because we'll know that you can't handle the truth, right? Because that's what we're talking about next week, right? We love grace, though. In the Bible, the New Testament, it has the word grace over 170 times. Like, grace is so foundational to who we are as followers of Jesus. Grace is a, it's kind of a broad word. Uh, that refers to a variety of things, but we really focus on it as it relates to our salvation. There's kind of a, a classic acronym. I remember learning it in Sunday school as a kid for grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, I'm the one who owed the debt, remember, but he paid the price. My sin had separated me from God, but Jesus came and he gave his life for us. The Bible makes it so clear um, in the book of Romans, right? Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So without Jesus, I don't have hope of eternal life, but thanks to God's grace, I do. We experience God's grace in, in many different ways, and one of the greatest ways is forgiveness because we all need forgiveness. We all sin. We all mess up, and so we need this. Uh, when we sin, though, uh, when I sin, I'm not just hurting myself, although it does hurt me. That's, sin is not good for me. It's not how God created me to be. I'm not just hurting the people that I sin against, although that happens too. When I do wrong things to others, that hurts them, and that's a real problem. I need to seek their forgiveness. But when I sin, ultimately, I'm sinning every time my first offense is against God. Because God is my creator, he is the most powerful being in the entire universe, and I'm accountable to God for the way that I live my life. It's not just this interpersonal thing, there's also this reality that my sin is an offense against God. Because God created us in his own image, God created us to look like him, uh, but you, you know the story, Garden of Eden, we choose sin, right? We sin nature. We now make choices to sin. And every time when I sin, 
I'm, I'm building some division between me and, and God. And so, so we experience grace when we confess our sins to the Lord, which we need to do. Make that part of your daily spiritual life, whether it's when you lay down at night or you get up in the morning, kind of reflect, what are those things that I need to confess to God and ask his forgiveness? Because great news, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all that is unrighteous. That's great news. But, you know, we experience God's grace and forgiveness, and so that means we also should be a people of forgiveness. And that's tough because, well, people can be difficult sometimes, right? I mean, not any of the people in this room, obviously, of course. The other services have a lot of difficult people in them, right? We all can be, and so we have this problem because, like, so when someone sins against us, okay, we forgive them. Then they sin against us again, and we forgive them again. Okay, like, how long, how long do I have to keep doing this for? How, how, how far, how far does this, this grace cover? Well, in the Bible, Peter was wrestling with this. Peter, Jesus' disciple, he's wrestling with this. And, and so he decides to ask Jesus uh, this question about, about grace and about forgiveness. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister, we could add, uh, when they sin against me? Up to seven times? Now, that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, seven times. In fact, actually, Peter has, Peter, Peter's kind of being smart here, right? He thinks he has figured Jesus out. Because by now he's learned that Jesus always has a way of taking what you thought the expectation was and stepping it up a ways, right? And so the Jewish teachers in that day, they taught that if someone sins against you, you have to forgive them up to three times, okay? You have to forgive them three times, all right? You know, and so Peter is like, hey, Jesus, how many times did I have to forgive? How about... Seven times. We're talking like religious leaders times two plus one. Yep, that's Peter right there, right? I know, I know. I've, I'm, really, I'm really getting this, right? But Sarah, Sarah can help me illustrate here a little bit. You know, like this, even, even just three is challenging, right? Because it's hard to forgive others. We get frustrated by them. And, oh, that was, that was my foot, Sarah. Okay, you're sorry. I, I forgive you. I can understand. I mean, we all do clumsy things from time to time, right? I mean, it kind of ha- ouch. That's that's my that's two. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, but but you know, we've all we've said we that's three times, Sarah. Three times you are forgiven. I'm, uh, I'm I, that's it, off of the stage, that's four, I'm going Jewish on you here, all right, we're not, I've had it. This is how it was, used a few times, but eventually, this is ridiculous, we shouldn't have to keep forgiving, right, I mean, out, done. So Peter's like, I'll step it up, I'll do seven times. Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. <laughs> what? 77, or this gets even worse. Literally, some of the, like, variant manuscripts in the Greek, some of them actually say 70 times 7. That's like 490 times. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. This is ridiculous. And, and clearly what he's saying is that, is that you can't count. It's not, there's not a number, okay? It's infinite, 
It's not a matter, you know, yet you've heard the Jewish leaders say three times, well, I'm telling you, that's not what grace is. That's not how we operate. That's not how we treat people. And, you know, if you think of it from Peter's standpoint, this just seems crazy. You know, how many, I mean, so I have to just forgive people infinitely. Why? Why on earth would I just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving? That seems kind of weak, right? Who, who would do such a thing? Why would I ever show that kind of grace and forgiveness? Well, Jesus is glad you asked. He'll tell a story to help you understand. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 10,000 talents. Now, this is not how we use talent, like skills, right? This isn't like hitting a baseball or, or playing a guitar or something like that. No, this is a, a, an amount of money. And if you were in Jesus' original audience that day, when Jesus said that this, this person owed another person 10,000 talents, you would only have one reaction, and that would be to start cracking up. Because this is, this is a joke, okay? Like, literally, we, we know what the tax records were for the Jerusalem and Samaria area, that kind of greater area about the time Jesus was born. And the entire region that year paid 600 talents of tax. So it's like if all the Cincinnati area in a year pays 600 uh, whatever of tax and you owe 10000 whoo, that's a lot of money, right? You are, you are in some deep debt here. In fact, if you were the average laborer in that day and you worked six days a week, no holidays, no vacation, six days a week to pay this off, and no interest, by the way, it would take you 617 years. The debt's a joke, right? I mean, even if you were a wealthy person, you could not service the interest on 10,000 talents, much less make any principal payments, okay? And to make matters worse, this was before the days of bankruptcy, so this guy's life was wrecked. He couldn't even declare bankruptcy in this situation. Uh, they, they had debtor's prisons, or if the debt was bad enough, you and your whole family just get sold into slavery. Not good, but this is how their world operated at that time. 25, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So now his debt has not only ruined his life, it's ruined his wife's life, it's ruined his children's lives. They're all done. They'll be slaves forever. This is horrible. I mean, this is the worst day you can think of times 10. He didn't just wreck his own life. He wrecked it for his entire family. He just wrecked his whole legacy. This is what this debt has done to him. I mean, how on earth could somebody have racked up this kind of debt? How on earth could somebody be so incredibly irresponsible? But he owes it. What's he going to do? Well, at this point, he only has one card to play, and he plays it. He falls to his knees and says, please be patient with me. Be patient with me, and I will pay you back everything that I owe you. No, you won't. You, you can't pay me back everything. You can't pay the interest on it, buddy. That's, you're lying. The, the guy makes the, I mean, it's all he can say, but it's a lie. It's hopeless. Bottom line, he should just be 
put away according to law. This is sold into slavery. This is what it is. But just when you thought this story could not get any more ridiculous, verse 27, the, master, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. <laughs> Are you serious? He, you, you just forgave like 200-some million dollars worth of debt? You just, why? Because the guy said he was sorry and he'd pay it back? He can't pay it back. What, why on earth would any master do this? What's, what is, I don't know what's gotten into this guy. But what I do know is if you're the one who owed the debt, this is the best day ever, right? I mean, you thought you were going to be sold and your children and your wife all sold into slavery. And now you just found out you get to just go scot-free. I, in fact, we did a little digging. We found a video of, of the reaction, I think, that happened that day. Everybody. I totally tackled Drew Carey. I mean, if, if I got forgiven that kind of money, right? I mean, what would you not do to celebrate? You, your, your life was over for your whole family forever, and now free. You're free. You don't owe a dime. You can go on totally forgiven, right? You'd think he'd react like that, but that's not exactly what he did. Not exactly. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, okay? So this is significant. It's 100 days' worth of work, okay? So this was several months' worth of labor. That's, that's legit. It's a real debt. But compared to the other debt, it's literally one six hundred thousandth <laughs> of what he owed the other guy, right? He began, he grabbed him and began to choke him, it says. They would continue on here. Uh, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. You might remember this story. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. <laughs> kind of hard to pay off debts when you're in prison, Right? And for crying out loud, man, I mean, yeah, you're owed the money, but you'd think you could at least say, uh, just make some payments, right? I mean, at very least, you know, I mean, forgiveness would be logical based on what you were just had forgiven, but at very least, just put him on a payment plan for crying out loud. But no, he demands, he calls the loan, instant payment right there. You can't do it. You're going to prison. This is not going to go over well. Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. 617 years of labor, that's going to be a long time in the tickle chamber, right? That's, and you know, it's almost hard to feel sorry for the guy. He had been forgiven all of this. All he had to do was just go and be a reasonable human being. But no, but no. 
how could, how could someone do this? I mean, when you think about it, the story should make you mad, right? I mean, how on earth could somebody receive that level of forgiveness and then go do that level of, of lack of grace, right? How can you just be that hardcore when you just got the ultimate gift of grace dropped right in your lap? Then Jesus does what Jesus always tends to do. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It happened again, didn't it? I got all mad at that guy in the story, and I found out that that guy is me once again. What we have here is a picture of my sin against God. It's an infinite debt. A debt, there's no way. I can't just be a little better than my neighbor. I can't just try a little harder. I can't just promise to do something different. No, it's, it's a, a debt that I can't even service the interest on. And then we look at my neighbor's sin against me, and it's legit. It's something. The Bible's not minimizing that. It's just showing the incredible contrast between these two. And so, Peter, why don't you get to count? Because God's not counting against you. Because God chose to rip up your ledger. So how are you going to keep a ledger against somebody else? How are you going to treat others with, with such lack of grace when, when God has extended this incredible grace and forgiveness to you? Let's just be honest. This is hard. It's hard because we get a little bit of an understanding of our sin against God, but we have a lot of understanding against how people have hurt, about how people have hurt us. You know the pain. You can see the people. You can see the events. You can see it all in your mind right now. How can God call me just to forgive like that, just have that kind of grace. That's great, God can do it, but God's God, I'm really not, so I, oh, this, seems, this seems hard. It seems almost impossible. And I believe that this is one of those things that is possible only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Because followers of Jesus, our view of grace and forgiveness should be different than the rest of the world. The rest of the world is going to see this on a kind of a transactional scale kind of thing. That's not it for us. For our first look is at the Lord who has forgiven us everything, who has given us the ultimate act of grace. He sent his son Jesus to give his life for me and for you. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't even begin to scratch the surface of the interest on my debt. And Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Before I could even be sorry, Jesus paid it all. I keep screwing it up over and over. Jesus paid it all. All of it. So forgiveness, it's a choice that we make. Sometimes we say things like, oh, I'll forgive them when they're sorry, or I'll forgive them when, you know, when they suffer a little bit. Nope. 
Forgiveness is the voluntary cancellation of a debt because that debt is uncollectible. It's a recognition that while you can hold in all the nastiness you want, you can try to seek all the revenge you want, you can talk about how long it'll be before you'll consider forgiving them, and friend, you're hurting yourself. Who's the one laying up at night thinking about this? Who's the one getting those hateful thoughts every time that person pops into your mind? Who's the one gritting your teeth and stress in your heart and all these kinds of things? Jesus knows what's best. He's our creator. And he understands that forgiveness is not just a gift of grace to other people. It's a gift of grace to the one who is extending it as well. And Jesus wants you to have new life in him. He wants you to have freedom. He wants you to experience the fullness that he came and died for. And as long as you're holding stuff against others, you're not getting it, friend. You're not getting it. The Bible even says if you come here to worship the Lord and you got something against your brother or sister, you go, leave, take care of that thing and come back. Well, we only got a few minutes left, so you can stay. But I recommend don't go to bed tonight without dealing with this thing. One more thing. Sometimes we take forgiveness and reconciliation and we, um, we confuse them. And there are times, there are relationships that you, well, first, you're always called to forgive. Why? Because God forgave you. Bottom line. That's it. But there will be relationships, perhaps, that reconciliation is just not possible. Sometimes where there's been um, serious abuse or these types of things, it, it's not that Jesus is calling you to stand here with your foot out all day just to get stomped on, Right? You can pull that thing back in. You can walk away. If you had to, you can call the cops or do what you got to do. Boundaries are not incongruent with grace and forgiveness. In fact, sometimes setting healthy boundaries is the most gracious thing you could possibly do. So, friends, grace and truth, it's not either or. It's not a decision as to who I give grace to, who I give truth to. The fact is, I extend grace and forgiveness to everyone because God forgave me. God forgave you. And some of you are here today, and the reason you're struggling to forgive others is because you haven't forgiven yourself. And in holding things against them, Somehow it's kind of a distraction. But I want you to know, friend, God has forgiven you. God has extended grace to you. He is offering you that grace this day, a grace that is greater than all of our sins, a grace that, that calls us home, that calls us back to him. And I just I want to invite you to, to encounter that grace today, to receive that grace in your heart, to extend that grace and forgiveness to others. Maybe for some of us, we need to say Jesus, say yes to Jesus for the first time today. Do that. It's the best decision you can possibly make. Maybe for others today, we need to, um, 
we need to give some things to the Lord because we've been holding some stuff in real deep. And it's been hurting us and others. And we need to offer that to the Lord. We've, I'm going to pray in a moment, but I want to highlight a little change we've made in here. We've, we've put these kneelers here at the altar because we believe so strongly in the power of prayer. I can't tell you. I, if you gave me the choice, John, are we going to scrap prayer or are we going to scrap the sermon? You can take the sermon out every day. Because prayer is talking to your creator. And, and I want to invite you, um, you, as I pray or during this last song, you might want to come forward and pray. And sometimes we get these ideas that, oh, people come forward and pray when their life's a total train wreck. No, we, we come forward and pray because we know we need Jesus. And we want to receive him. And we want to sometimes to give something to him, to lay something at the altar, to just say, Jesus, would you take this? Would you, would you just, it's yours. Have your way. So, Jesus, we're here. We need your grace. I thank you that you came down from heaven full of grace and truth, that you gave your life. I did not deserve it, but you gave it freely. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for every person here today. I pray for, for salvation, for those who need to say yes to you. Jesus, may today be the day where we say, Jesus, forgive me. I, I come into my heart. I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. I'm trying to do this on my own, and I'm done with that. I'm trusting you now. I'm trusting you now. I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to God the Father. For others of us, we've got stuff we've been holding in. Maybe it's even years, bitterness, unforgiveness. Jesus, would you meet us here at this place? For others, Lord, we just need to receive your grace and forgiveness because we, we haven't been so gracious with ourselves. Some of us are very gracious with others, but not gracious with ourselves. And we just, we just ask for, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just help us to receive that this day. Whatever we need, Lord, would you meet us here? Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.